Okay, I'll jog your memory. So you're like, I love wildness. I love people being ecstatic and natural and connection and, and like in the moment. In the moment. Sort of like letting go of neuroses and yeah. like you know, kind of like just always thinking about the future. Yeah. Or or thinking about the past or trying to conserve things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like you know, the way that that people get when they're at a party a lot. They're not thinking about last week. They're, they're not thinking of next week. It's the weekend. Yeah. You know? You're just like living. It's a. It's an alternative. I well, we did talk about this when we were talking about the podcast. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about the podcast. On the podcast. On the on the podcast. And uh, I really struggle with it because I. I want to try to find this this like wildness mm-hmm. but I want to find it outside of just these narrow means of like entering into that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like it's it's like you said before it's boring it's it's, it it's boring. conceptually boring and in the moment boring which is why we reach to to chemicals that would like um hijack our nervous system into feeling euphoric yeah. or feeling surrender before our mind catches up to us. Yeah. Um, because it's so abrupt, because it's, you know, three hours per week or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, let me get fully into this as fast as possible and then let me get it out of my system so that, like you said earlier, I can be my responsible fucking matrix worshipper the next day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, that there there are some interesting, ecstatic states that can come through using certain chemicals. Where most of the time, I can't hear you at all. <laughs> there are there are some ecstatic states that are interesting that come through using chemicals like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think generally, it's just like I think maybe like the first time people do stuff like that, or like mm-hmm. in a really you know, controlled, like, you know, this, the environment's really interesting, mm-hmm. the people that are there are really interesting, mm-hmm. you go into it with an interesting mindset, mm-hmm. and then you're also taking something. Mm-hmm. But I've been in situations where all of those factors were there, mm-hmm. somebody else is on ecstasy, I'm just stone cold sober, but I'm having the time of my life as well. Yeah. So it's a lot to do with just, like, the atmosphere and the people and what's going on, and the music, so or whatever it is. It's so true. It's so true. So if you think about it then, conceptually, day to day, in your sober life, if you surround yourself with people who are naturally kind of of that state, then you too inherently pick up that vibe and carry it with you without having to do something damaging for three hours a week. I just don't know where those people are. I know. Well, they're not at parties. I know. How Do can we? Exist? How can we party without partying? Like there, there needs to be something else. Like, it's so fucking boring. But I was just talking with someone about this recently. About how I think spiritual people get that kind of stuff. Yes, that's true. And so, like, that's why church doing, sounds incredible. Somebody's doing Kundalini yoga and they're they're going up into the seventh heaven. And they're yeah. seeing a, yeah. you know, a Merkaba, whatever, something yeah. like that. And then they're having this experience. Yeah. And then, especially if it's like in a group setting mm. like these charismatic Christians and stuff like that 
they're feeling the Holy Ghost is coming down. It's coming down on this church right now, and this is happening, and a thousand people are experiencing it. Oh, my God. Okay, but isn't that what a rave is? Yes. Yeah. But it's... I mean, it is. It's very similar. But at a rave, like, you... I I don't know how you like to rave. Personally, I close my eyes and dance. Mm. That I just need to do that for a long time. And to me, that's a little bit of spirituality. That's a little bit of self-religion or whatever. Mm. That's mind-body activation. That's mind and heart coherence, I think. And surrounded by other people doing the same thing. <clears throat> but... What? What, what? Okay. One part <laughs> that both the rave doesn't get there and the church doesn't get there also is kissing. There's no kissing. There's no kissing. They're not taking There's off not the clothes. There's not enough kissing. They're not taking off their clothes enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's definitely not happening at church. Well, I think I have something to offer the people <laughs> in that way. But I mean, like day to day. Like, I mean, like... But that's... that's how this can is we where revolutionize most, our lifestyles? This is where most people's neuroses are, are coming into play. And I think that a lot of people, people go out to the club or whatever, they want to be kissing. They want to have sex. That's and stuff true. Like that. What they're looking for is, is intimacy. Oh, that's true. And connection. And this is part of the reason why they're, they're doing this stuff with alcohol or whatever, is to lower their inhibitions, whatever. Because they right. have so much neuroses about... The, Fear have, of rejection. Yeah, like, they've got all kinds of, like, nerves. They can't go up and talk to the person that they have a crush on across the room. Right. But let know? it not be me. Let it be my inebriation, putting myself out there to you. And yeah. let your inebriation meet me halfway. And here we are kissing. Yeah. And if, you know, if you said something stupid, you're like, well, I've had so many drinks, I can't believe I just said that. It doesn't matter because, like, I have yeah. an excuse, I have an out. Yeah, you same, know? kiss me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then you're not remembering it. You're not actually meeting intimately. It's not fulfilling. It's like, have you ever had sex and after you felt hollow because there wasn't love there? It was sex that you had, right? Yeah, you It's the same thing with, like, even, even interactions with people in an elevator. You have an opportunity to have some really fucking... You can ignore them. That's... Wow. You can have some mundane weather conversation. You can exchange niceties. Mm. Or you can just jump right fucking into it. How is your day? You look wet. Like, <laughs> like where are you coming from? Or I see you every day at this time. What are you... Like... Can we you can, do that? Yes, you can. No, can you do that? Yes, can you? Sometimes. Really? I dive deep because like um, shallow conversations hurt. I don't. I don't like to force people into that stuff. So I, I I try to make as much nonverbal communication as possible. And if I feel that it's that it's comfortable, then I might I might take that extra step and just be like, okay, we're gonna talk now. Mm, Fair. I feel like I have so much social anxiety as is that I'd rather not wait for the other person to say or not say something to me. I'd rather initiate, give them a little bit of joy, get out the elevator, move on with my day. And then I, I like to think that there's a chain reaction. You're a little bit softer, more like a fairy type. Somebody yeah. looks at me and they're like, is that person a Nazi? I'm not <laughs> sure. Are they going to hurt me or something? Okay, second grip. Okay. <laughs> you know. Where's your large pole? <laughs> is that a Nazi? Do you feel like a no? No, no but I kind of look like one sometimes. <laughs> Skinhead. <laughs> I don't know. I really need to get like a rainbow flag patch or something like that. So that's <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day because I like grew a goatee. Oh. Because I I, don't I know saw why. you the other day. What are you talking about? 
when was this go to you? Well, it was just like two days ago. Okay. <laughs> but like, I was like, I don't know, I was in a bad place and I wasn't shaving. And then <laughs> I had to shave for work because I was putting a mask on. And I was like, I don't want to do the goatee. And I've been kind of thinking, well, maybe a goatee is a good style. Because my friend that I'm working with, he kind of grows, like, facial hair is kind of in the pattern of a goatee. And I'm like, that kind of looks good. But I've never thought that it looked good on me. And I also don't like making... It makes... It's too binary for me. It's like, mm. I'm a man wearing a facial hair. Like, I don't this doesn't feel comfortable for me. What if you did the opposite? Or what if you did that and... Uh, war dress. War dress. To me, that's very hot. I would love if you did that. Can you come to the orgy in a dress? And a, well. And a goatee. I'd be more likely to. And your be, fingerless gloves. Be just in a dress. No. My problem is I don't. I don't. I don't feel comfortable in either. I definitely don't feel pretty if I wear a dress. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't think I, I'm a hunk if I have a beard. I don't know. I just don't like any of it. Okay. Okay. No, no, no dresses required, <laughs> homie. We're thirty percent complete. Please don't turn off your computer. Okay. <laughs> oh god. So anyway, um, yeah, I I noticed that the other day. I was like, I and. I did feel like there was a little bit of different reaction to me. Mm. People were a little bit like... When you had your goatee? Yeah. Okay. I think experiment with style because it's really cool to figure out humanity through their reactions to you. Mm-hmm. So try it all, baby doll. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about this wild streak that I have and the guilt, that the shame I have surrounding my wild streak. I realized, however, because this person I was talking to is from the UK, where people like binge drink and get into trouble. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of what I got into the last few years, and I don't like it so much. I love, I love adventure. I love wildness. Being mm. a misfit, great. Spontaneity, getting into trouble, cool. But can I somehow leave the drinking out of it? Like, if I am a person naturally inclined to that behavior, anyways, that wild streak doesn't need the liquor. But it excuses it, and it it enables the people around me to access that same feeling, too, so that we can do this collectively. Like, go stir shit up, right? Yeah. But I realized, like, I don't want to have shame surrounding this wild streak. I want to just maybe make my wild streak constructive somehow, mm-hmm. instead of destructive. But everybody has this restlessness. Everybody has this need to move and, and cause trouble and experiment and stuff yes it's exhausting to be that like neurotic responsible person all the time we're not meant to to be like that just like you know you got these desires all the time and you just have to like just just stifle them constantly or channel them yeah transmute it into something organized and yeah productive i mean sublimation and like doing that kind of like work of like not just like you know just being completely reactive I'm not I'm not a big advocate of just like letting the unfiltered hmm. like urges go but right staying intentional is always going to be important 
but I think that there's like there's specifically I think um, there's something that happens that has to do not so much with like um, self-monitoring or self-criticism um, but, but that's a part of it but not specifically to do with like monitoring of drives or whether you know your your inclination to do something is socially acceptable or not can you speak up mm. um, yeah like this difference between uh, becoming immersed and uh, being totally engaged in activity yeah uh, versus like some sort of uh unconscious uh, just like flailing yeah letting the devil move through you yeah instead of surrendering to being consumed by a moment being in the flow yeah like yeah. so this is what I'm saying it's kind of like you know like this idea of like a flow state yeah. or like a trance or something yes. like that where Only you're surrendering to a process that's going on mm. whether it be like some kind of group process or whether it be like a rhythm mm. that's going on like it's, it's something that you habitually do and then you're just kind of just like on autopilot doing it um, that's such a good point because you can you can you can ritualize your creation process and your spiritual processes to enable a flow state mm -hmm. around the clock right and would that get out the wildness, or would you still need to rebel against that? Um, well, I think that the, I think okay, I think the thing that that is amazing about the wildness, it's like it's like uh, I used to play a lot of like improvised music, mm. and a lot of a lot of what you have to do with improvised music. Um, or with doing any kind of like creative experimental music because you basically have to like unlearn yeah. how to play the instrument that you know how to play or if you don't know how to play it I can hardly hear you I'm sorry <clears throat> mostly them or if you don't know how to play an instrument very well then you're you're approaching it like a a beginner mm -hmm. and so you don't have all of the all of the constraints mm -hmm. that are kind of like imposed on you by the, the craft because mm. you haven't learned it yet yeah. or you've learned it and then you've kind of temporarily suspended some of those rules yeah. in order to let new interesting things happen play yeah and so so like so the, the cool thing about improvising sometimes that can that can be fruitful on its own right if it say I was just playing guitar by myself mm -hmm. and by accident I hit a wrong note mm -hmm. quote unquote it was outside of whatever kind of rules that I was supposed to be playing in and I really like it and yeah. then I play it again and I just keep that in the, and that becomes like you know it's an innovation mm. um, what was really exciting is when you can be with a group of people and you can the ways in which you like engage with the other people, because a lot of those those rules and those traditions, 
are in order for you to play with other people. Mm. It's a rule that everyone follows, mm. so that everyone's on the same page, mm. so that everyone's playing with relatively the same notes. Whatever. Okay, but think about like bluegrass jams. Think about improvised jazz. Think that's about that's people collectively being in the flow, yeah. and it comes together. Yeah, and so, so that's what's really interesting is when, when everyone's kind of like going off, and then you realize at a certain point that it's that there's like an emergent phenomenon that like somehow the off note that I'm playing is meeting up with the off note that somebody else is playing, mm-hmm. but we don't know how this thing is happening. It's kind of like it's almost like something outside of us is okay. orchestrating it. Yeah. Because we're stepping back from being the orchestra. It's like you're the hierophant. You're surrendering. It we're, is like the hierophant. We're like, you know, you're not, you're not being the hierophant. Yeah. You're not like following the hierophant. Yeah. You're just like this, the, the straight nature. Yeah. You know, un, unmediated nature. It's just like stepping in. That's right. And so, like, I kind of feel like, like, but that's a practice. Okay. Like, it is. Like, in order to be an improviser, yep. you have to learn how to get into that state where you can kind of, like, be listening and playing at the same time. Yes. And kind of, like, being a little bit crazy, but then a little bit together. Yes. You know what I mean? I like, know exactly what you mean, but, like, that's why I... It's like with dance, if you're in a mosh pit. Yes. You're not just completely flailing, because then no. you're going to punch them in your face, and they're going to lose their eye. You're bouncing off each other's energy <laughs> in a spiritual way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're thrashing constructively. But what you were just saying is, um, on improvising and needing to get into that flow where you're surrendered, you're listening, and at once you're creating. Yeah. But you're not thinking. I. It's definitely not, it's not like analyzing yeah. and being self-critical yeah. you get all up in yourself or yeah. whatever yeah. Um, it's really obvious yeah. like, if, like if you're if you're if you're improvising with someone yeah. you're like that guy's just playing a solo that he reversed that he rehearsed <laughs> yeah. beforehand you know like yeah. well, now he's playing Freebird and then like, you're the higher that's a song fun. I know that's a song yeah. like, like and you're here, expecting everyone around Freebird. you to well, we're going to start playing Freebird with you no <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly you're, you're asking everyone else to, like, follow you at that point because you're not surrendered to the flow of the group. Yeah, yeah. But I noticed that I had, like, taken on a lot of uh, stuff creatively. And I noticed, for me, the shortcut to not judge myself and listen and create at the same time was, like, drinking and smoking weed. And then that reflex became a horrible crutch. Now I'm realizing that the flow of something like church can instigate perhaps a week-long feeling of connectedness and joy that is like transcendent and outside of the like harsh binaries of existing in the matrix and although I don't like organized religion I'm starting to see that like people coming together in this way does help them live the healthier lives maybe with more joy than people who are on coke every day I don't know Yeah, definitely more than on coke for sure. But. Yeah, but I was just I was picturing um, the euphoria of like people being at church and the euphoria of people like fucking babbling on at five twenty two a.m. coked out of their minds at a rave. Like, mm-hmm. 
maybe inside both feel good. But one's wild and one's not. I mean, it depends on like what church you go to. Some of them get really wild. Cool. I mean, if you're hanging out with like Osho people, they're they're getting right, right. Did you see the wild, 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 wild country documentary? No, I haven't. Oh, that's. I mean, you don't have to see the documentary, but there's like, I don't know. Have you have you heard of like Rajneesh and Osho? Yes. All this, like, he was he was a a really like contentious leader, right? He, he led people into not good places or something like this? Um, no, you know, he like, he rebranded. He was, <laughs> That's a good sign. He was, he was Rajneesh for a long time. And they had this like experiment in communal living. Okay. And this is what the documentary is about. They were like, they like well, I can bought, get behind that. They bought a city, okay. this big property, and they tried to like, set up their own little like isolated community and really they want to have like a city okay but a commune type setup yeah it was kind of kind of communal and then there was like there was some corruption in the leadership but it, it sounds like it wasn't really him strangely oh. that's kind of usually how it goes true but maybe well, like, if it depends if he had started it for ego or for, like, the school that he was presenting. But, like, the people around you get obsessed with power, too, sure. Yeah, so I think that what happened was, like, it was kind of the people that were around him that got obsessed with power, and then it, it became like this really toxic, dangerous thing. Mm. Kind of, like, uh, you know, got... Uh, you know, the law became involved and all this kind of stuff. And it was just, it was this big scandal. Mm. And then, but I think a lot of people still thought that his teachings were really sound and solid. Mm. And they didn't really see uh, what happened there to be like a direct out, out uh, playing out of his teachings that he was really kind of orchestrating that like cult of personality. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, one thing with that stuff is he was he was teaching stuff that was like about accepting the world and mm. accepting like material things, mm. stuff like that. So you know, like a lot of a lot of times people will teach you about uh, uh, detachment from the world. Yeah. And getting into ecstatic states where you're being spiritually raptured somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So you go to church and then you go like this and then you just like leave your body and then you're off in heaven with Jesus. And you might be having some communal thing and you might open your eyes and maybe you're like there with everyone. Everyone's just an angel. Mm. But nobody has money. Mm. Nobody has sex. Mm. Nobody has food. All of these kind of like material things mm. are seen as like part of an evil world and they have all right. kinds of corruption that's involved in it right and so when, when you're in that rapture state all you're thinking about is heavenly things right but there are some teachers that say that even in the, the mundane things the material things you can find that same kind of ecstasy i love that yes and, and so it's it's always a dangerous game when people are teaching that stuff because 
you know, if they say, you know, it's, it's great to be spiritual and also making a bunch of money and having a bunch of sex and eating a bunch, mm. and this is what we're all doing together, and somebody from the outside could be like, isn't this just a bunch of debauchery? Like, mm-hmm. what's, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Yeah. And are you supposed to be spiritual people? I thought spiritual people didn't do that. So. Yeah. And, but, you know, so it's usually when people do teach that stuff, they think in Buddhism there's like a tantric secret. Uh, you know, there's, there's usually like esoteric teachings, tantric teachings that people practice these things but most of the time it's in secret it's not mm. really like part of their official doctrine it's like the secret doctrine is you know before enlightenment you're chopping wood and carrying water and then after enlightenment you're chopping wood and carrying water <laughs> you know? and it's just like oh this is actually life you're just living life yeah. but then you're doing it with a certain perspective and you're doing it with a certain like grace and artfulness mm. or whatever yes. So obviously, if somebody's just like, you know, I think you would, you would be able to tell. If I went to a, if I went to a, you know, a garage niche party, where they're just like all eating and drinking and having sex and whatever, like making money, <laughs> whatever, then I think I'd be able to tell by the way in which they were doing this. Tell what? Whether they're engaged in a spiritual practice or not. Right. Or being swept away by acceptance socially of how they want to live. But either way, I mean, it's not wrong. I think, I think the, 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 the destructive thing here is like the Hierophant card earlier, like when it, when it's an ego leading them. Um, I heard something recently which was the way you do one thing is how you do everything and 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 this was a comment on living meticulously which I really appreciate and and you can be intentional in absolutely everything yes it'll probably drive you fucking insane you probably won't get anything truly done but it reminded me of what you just said which is kind of speaking to everything being fractal if you can find joy in the smallest things, in the mundane things, that in itself is fractal. You are then like a vessel of joy and naturally you'll be infused with experiences that are like that. But you have to be open to it. Is that a spark? way to practice those, those big things is in the small things and mm. like learning to see like a continuity just be, to be consistent you know I mean I think it's really easy with all those things like money food sex if you're doing business or something and the way in which you're doing business is like say you know, I got, I got this. Speak up, this guy's I got this thing to sell you. Yeah, this wonderful product. Mm-hmm. This is a used push controller. Yep. 
and you know, I spent a lot of money on it, and I think it's, it's still working. It's, it's, it's pretty valuable, but it's pretty old now. I think you know, I spent five hundred bucks for it. It's probably worth around two hundred bucks now, something like that. And you're like, I was gonna go to Long Quiet and spend eight hundred dollars for it, and you know. It's a bit of an older model, but even those ones, you know, you find them for 400 bucks, 500 bucks. So I think that's a good deal. And I'm like, that's perfect for me. I want to get rid of it. I need money. And you are making a, you know, you're getting what you want. It's like the actual thing that you want. You're getting a good deal. It's beneficial for me. It's beneficial for you. It's a beautiful business transaction. Yeah. You know, that has like, a type of like spirituality you can mm. have spirituality even in like a material thing like that mm. but if it's like i actually know that this knob doesn't work mm. and you know like you probably get one on amazon for like you know 200 bucks but i'm speaking for 300 bucks yeah and you know like you know just kind of like a deceitful thing where i'm trying to like get a one up on you and something like that mm-hmm. You know, like, so intention is spirituality. Yeah, if you, if well, intention, respect, honesty, mutuality, same thing with sex. It's like, you know, if both people are not like hundred percent into it. It's, cool. it's not a good sexual act. Yes. Yeah. You know? like, That's true. <laughs> I if I was if I walked in on two people having sex at a Rajneesh thing. Instantly, I'd be able to, I would be able to watch them for five seconds. I would know whether it's the spiritual act or not. Yeah. Because I would know. Absolutely. How, yeah, absolutely. Like, one person's like, mm, you know, <laughs> like, not really into it, not really comfortable. Have you ever really seen spiritual porn? I don't know. <laughs> not yet? Maybe. I mean, Probably. like, yeah. I think I've seen, I think like couples that make porn. That's, that's true. That's like, you can tell that they're like really excited about it. That's true. And they're having a lot of fun. I mean, there are people that are not couples, obviously, that are just like, this is amazing, you're hot, I'm hot, and it's just like, yeah. and we're getting paid. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's spiritual too, yeah. Yeah, like, well. It's a spiritual business transaction. Yeah, like I'm saying, it's, you can have like a, a business transaction that's mutual, like, and then you can also have a sexual experience that's like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, on all the levels for having the most intimacy or whatever. It could just be physical. Mm. Sometimes things are like that. But it's like, it's, it depends on, there's a lot of factors, obviously. People have to be comfortable with their sexuality. Yes. To just be like transactional. And, and I think a lot of people, they would have like, a hard time with any kind of transaction if they were like uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, but uh, sex is a transaction that, that people engage in for a variety of reasons, whether it's acceptance or whether it's um, yeah. just having your energy reflected back to you, having validation. Sex is validation. Mm. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, maybe the people are not engaging in it spiritually, but they are getting something out of it that they needed. And that's why they're engaging in it. Whether the sex feels good or happens in a loving way is completely out of the picture at that point. It's fulfilling a need. Yeah. 
How do you feel about recording this song right now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a tight 32, almost 33 minutes. I'm going to keep it playing for another 33 seconds. Thank you, Adam. Any last comments? You've got to figure out how to get wild without getting completely irresponsible. That's why. As, as, and i got to find those people that are getting wild because I want to get wild. Yeah. Rave church. What is responsibility, though? We have a responsibility to be joyous. I would say just like... I, it's not that it's irresponsible. It's that it's non-neurotic. Okay. I think, I think people confuse their neuroticism with responsibility. True. But neuroticism is something that we carry on our shoulders in order to be continuously adapted to the systems that we're in. Yeah. That keep us afloat, right? I think it's over-awareness of the systems. Yeah. You know, like when you get drunk, you're not going to worry about all the little nuances of social gestures that you might be doing in the social interaction. Yeah. If you do a few faux pas, no big deal. Yeah. It will just be swept into the... That's a flow. That's the flow. But why can't you just disrespect those things anyway? Let's rebel. That's the waterfall card. Okay, I'm hitting end. Thanks, right. Adam. Thank you. Let's crush it.